Hello everybody, welcome back to season four of the Stiff Upper Lip podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm joined today by Max. First of all, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How the devil are you? Yeah, I'm alright. I've just been to Meadowall to go and uh, pick up some some last minute bits for for Ed's wedding on on Saturday. We're going to get a a little podcast union going off, so very excited for that. But uh, yeah, ooh, very very exciting times. What about you? We should should record a live uh, mini-app to upload from the... (laughs) (laughs) Live from the wedding. We'll just walk around getting people's opinions on the Carolina Panthers. What a great idea. Maybe that will come at some point when the reception's on and Ed's playlist of 15 songs has been exhausted by the DJ. After he plays Wedding All Day for Sunday Night, then we'll, we'll hear him. There's a natural introduction point. What a brilliant idea! I'm gonna to need to I'm gonna to need to speak to the DJ at some point and see if he can put Carrie Underwood's waiting all day for Sunday night. It will confuse the crap out of people as the wedding is on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but yeah, we we will be hanging out in public, um, and not stiff up lip boots on the ground. <laughs> It won't be the first time that we got random pieces of recording from an iPhone, and it won't be the last. Oh yeah, stiff up a lip, two feet down. <laughs> stiff up a lip, the wobbly edition. <laughs> so, the wobblier uh, edition. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I forget that we're not really usually on very stable ground so far. Don't bro fist the camera at me. Sorry. <laughs> um, a full slate of games this week, but thankfully. For our podcasting abilities, uh, much less entertaining, shall we say, than week I... one. But in fairness, it's still a great week of games, in, in truth. It was actually more entertaining than week one. It's just that a lot of the teams we're now working out might not matter as much. That That is also probably true, yeah. Uh, I felt like there was less, there was less crazy ends to games and more incredible get ends to games like last week we got a lot of bumbling about and that created to the carnage whereas this week we got we got actual elements of quality and that led to complete and utter carnage in the witching hour so yeah it was a week for comebacks not not so much like back and forth yeah absolutely so i mean we i think we both managed to um write off this game's slate or this week's slate of games at half time in both windows actually thinking about it max we wrote them off in in the early window and then what happened happened uh which we'll come on to and then the late window as well we were like oh none of these games are are very good (laughs) they're all blowouts at least the early one had like the dolphins and now all of a sudden we've got another one of those games to talk about so yeah plenty to discuss again I think that we just get cracking, shall we? Yeah, and it all started on Thursday night. Oh, Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers taking a trip to Arrowhead, where Max actually banged the uh, the exact prediction here, even though his, his working out was a little flawed. He said <laughs> the Chargers go to Arrowhead and lose even when they shouldn't really expect to win. Um, no, every time every time the Chiefs and the Chargers play, in my mind, in prime time, under the lights, 
first of all, it's always at Arrowhead. Second of all, it's always a match where you think like, oh man, if the Chargers win this, they're going to actually be in the driving seat in the AFC West. And then it always ends with they play well enough to win. And you look back and you think, God, they probably were a better team. But through defensive laps or just like stupid turnovers, they find a way to lose every time. Yeah. And you reliably informed me that they'd actually won like three of the last four games at Arrowhead. Yeah, they um, they had, which was because I remember this being a thing that I kept picking the Chiefs over the Chargers and kept getting banged by it. So I was like, I'm not going to do this this week. I'm going to pick the Chargers to beat the Chiefs, and and I got I got banged again. So good job. <laughs> <laughs> This uh, this one was also the first game that was broadcast live on Amazon Prime. However, uh, for some reason, Amazon Prime thinks that everybody outside of the United States doesn't want to watch football on their like premier platform. So I had to watch it via Game Pass, which was about a minute behind. But at least it wasn't like glitchy as hell, which apparently people were saying. But yes, the Chargers lost this one, twenty-four to twenty-seven. Chiefs improved two and zero. Chargers one and one. Um. I'm not going to lie, I think that both teams, again, played really well. My problem now is the Chargers might not have Justin Herbert playing at, at peak Justin Herbert for a few weeks, which is is just going to it's just going to end up being a real a real conundrum for them. But I actually, I, I, I think that both of them played ex- incredibly well here this week. I don't know about that whole thing because based on the fact that he came back into the game and played through it and played quite well, I wouldn't anticipate that he's going to miss any time. But, like, yeah, we'll have to see whether he's affected. It's fractured rib cartilage, which somehow sounds less bad but also more painful than an actual fractured rib. Yeah, yeah. Um, he got destroyed by, uh, I think it was like a fifth-round rookie defensive lineman. Um, but yeah, it was a really good game, high quality. I mean, yeah, watching Herbo in prime time is a real treat. The guy, the the ball just comes out of the guy's hand different, and we 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 bang on about it quite a lot. But it really is something to watch. I think Mahomes had some pretty crazy throws in this game. I think one thing that I always, I've been saying about the Chiefs for the last couple of years is they they until last year they seem to get away with like the most like turnover-worthy plays of any team in the league. And they had a few in this game that I think Asante Samuel had one that was um, close, but he just it, it didn't survive the ground. And they had one, they had a couple where they could have lost it, and obviously the deciding play really in the game was a 99-yard pick six for Herbert. So that's kind of the vibe that I've always gotten from these games. Yeah. The... Um... Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, the Chiefs also had a, a an actual pick that was um that was overturned for was it defensive holding or was it defensive pass interference where it looked very contentious in the first half. It was like late in the first half. So on another day, this game could have gone in the way of the Chargers, but the point about <laughs> football is you don't get another day. You got to win on the day. And the Chiefs did it. I wouldn't mind seeing that one again, that matchup again, at least one more time, and maybe even two more times this this year. Yeah, and it's a good job because we're going to get it at least one more time, maybe two. Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) Um, The yeah, 
Justin Herbert injury is sort of the main talking point. Am I right in seeing that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire picked up an injury as well here in this one? Or am I, I just talking out my arse? I don't know. He, the guy always seems to have a little knock, doesn't he? I don't think there was anything serious that I can recall. Yeah, um, I think I might just be misremembering um, something. So don't worry about that one. That's 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 me. Telling porkies. But Clyde, if you're listening, don't worry, you're fine, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Chargers were without Keenan Allen. Um, of course, that then meant that Mike Williams had to step up. He had a nice day, eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, Most of those actually seemed to come in the first half before um, the Chiefs started really coming back into it. I don't know what it was about Staley's game plan in the, in the second half, but they they didn't they didn't come out of of halftime looking like that same Chargers team to me. I thought that they lost a little bit of a step, which you don't want to take your foot off the gas when you're playing the Chiefs. I actually think that Staley was a little bit more cowardly than he than he was last year. There were quite a few instances where maybe if he was still more aggressive, they might have picked up a first down or something on like a couple fourth and ones or fourth and twos that he would have gone for last year. Maybe that's because he learned from the mistakes of last season, but even still, it's a it's a lose lose situation. But you gotta you gotta play it more situationally. I don't think that anyone was trying to bang him for being more aggressive when they played the Chiefs, because you know what you're getting when you play Kansas City. They're a team that can rack up seventeen twenty one points in in a quarter if they really wanted. So you do got to keep the foot on the pedal sometimes and. Just wonder, just want to watch out for Staley changing his mindset a little bit to be a little bit more conservative. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I think. I think um, maybe he was just backing his defense a little bit as well because, like we said, a few things go a bit differently. They come away, you know, they only gave up seventeen points obviously on offense, so a few things go differently, um, and they do in that. And yeah, I don't think he was. I don't. I don't necessarily think it was cowardly. You're right. It is an interesting trend to watch, but I mean, I think, I don't think that anyone can really blame him for thinking his defense could have got a stop and his his offense could have put some points on the board. Yeah, for sure. I think that both of these teams are uh, are properly legit, though. So, be uh, be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. All right, we're ready to get into Sunday's games where we've got some absolute crackers yet again. Before we get Christmas, it's it's firmly too early to be mentioning the 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 small to medium sized C, but I'll 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 allow it. Um, we're gonna start in Maryland, Baltimore, where the Ravens threw away a massive lead and gave up twenty eight points in the fourth quarter, thirty eight. To 42 to the Miami Dolphins. This was probably the best game that I've seen Lamar Jackson play since his MVP season. And they still came away with a loss. Because Tua Tungavailoa throwing for six touchdowns on the day. 470 yards. What a game. Yeah. Uh, First of all, the whole time I was watching this on Red Zone, I was convinced that the game was... Taking place in Miami, did you get that vibe as well? Yeah. It just looked really sunny and and un Baltimore like. 
Um, yeah, pretty crazy game. Pretty fucking crazy game, I think. I, I don't know really, really where to start with this one. Um, <laughs> uh, neither team is very good at running the ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that'd be my main bugbear of this game. No, it was it was honestly ridiculous. Um, the Ravens came out and they, they came out firing. I think Lamar had that 70 odd yard touchdown run on QB power, which was just, he was just running, like, last year he didn't run quite as much as he did in his MVP season, and it, it just looks, it looked, um, for, like, classic Ravens, I think, Devin Duvernay obviously had a kickoff return uh, on the opening kickoff, which set something for the game, and then, I don't know what happened, it was reminiscent of, the, the way the Dolphins came back was reminiscent of the Chiefs, like, when they had Hill have two massive long bomb touchdowns, and then they also had Jalen Model going off in this game like crazy. Like he's just a, a such a reliable target for Tua. Um, yeah, they just put points on the board. Like he, I wouldn't have thought that it was possible for them to do going into this game. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, that is a pretty. I think I think it was a game that, that has changed the outlook on the Dolphins. Although I'm still hesitant about Tua. I know he's just done like ridiculous numbers, but um, Hill and Model for me were the stars of the game. Yeah, absolutely, and um, both both teams had massive receiving numbers. I think I saw something that this is this is the first time in Dolphins history that they've had. Two receivers have over a hundred and uh, one hundred and fifty yards, and over one touchdown, on the same team in the same game, and it's yeah, like I'm just trying to find the the other stat about about how well Lamar Jackson played because it it was one of those it was one of those games where the offenses really really came to play, um, but I just don't. How did the Ravens throw this one away so so comprehensively? I mean, it seemed like the only thing that they had to do was prevent a long bomb touchdown to Tyreek Hill in the in the last in the fourth quarter. And the only thing that they did was allow a long bomb touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Like To be honest, I haven't had the time to like go back and, and go like in depth on this one and, and really pull it apart my only thought would be do you think it's to do with how defenses don't think Tua is capable of beating them deep I think and so they, they have a game plan that they stick to and then because it was in the fourth quarter they just they didn't make the necessary adjustment and the Dolphins sort of gave up on their game plan and just started chucking it long it was a little bit like you sometimes see it in like Madden games mm. where it just breaks out into like four consecutive touchdown drivers by each team and it's absolutely crazy and then the rest of the game is is kind of normal but I honestly don't really know what to take away from this game because if you played it say you played this game ten times I don't know who would win the majority of times I know I mean I know one of the outcomes that had happened if you played this game ten times the Ravens would end up incredibly beaten up is what had happened, but yeah. <laughs> but other than that, you're absolutely right. I mean, 
I've found the actual stat that I was thinking about, and it's crazy. The, the, the Dolphins were the first team in NFL history with a player recording 400-plus passing yards, 5-plus passing touchdowns, and two teammates recording 170 receiving yards and 2-plus touchdowns in the same game. The Ravens just seem to not quite be able to game plan for it. And maybe this is the McDaniels thing. They just... The Dolphins' offense beat the brakes off the defense in the in the I fourth quarter. I don't think Mike McDaniels... Mike McDaniels got way too much credit for the offensive performance because the reality is all of the yards and touchdowns came after they were losing massively and the game plan went out the window. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> you might be right on that front, but even still, like... One of the one of the jobs of a head coach is to keep your team playing well. I mean, maybe the Dolphins were just looking to get some garbage time points, but then and then all of a sudden it was thirty five, thirty eight, and they were like, "Oh shit, wait, we're level." So the fuck it, Tyreek down there somewhere. Offense has come to South Beach. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's crazy. Do you know another thing about this game that um, I, I I put a I put a link in in our group chat. Somebody reversed, they flipped the footage of Ta- of Tua Tungavailoa throwing the ball. Um, so it made it look like he was throwing it right, eh? And I will say, I don't. I mean, I'm not going to buy into Tua Tungavailoa yet because he's, he's got a lot to show me before, like, all of the last two years are just completely erased from memory. But he went from looking like he was throwing, like, a bit, a bit limp-wristed and a bit noodle-armed to having an absolute rocket just from flipping the footage. It was really weird. I can't quite figure it out, but yeah. Um Yeah, it might just be intrinsically how you how you what you expect to see when you're watching an NFL game. But to me I think Yeah, it will change the this performance is gonna change the way that people think about the Dolphins, particularly in the league, because they've gone from a sort of plodding offence to being one of the quickest attacks in the league. Yeah. And um when you go up against that if you're not ready then then that sort of thing can happen. Do you know, one of the things that I think could happen very quickly is we've seen a lot of teams go into a, a, a cover two or a cover four mainly defense against the likes of the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Bengals, the Bills. A lot of teams that have got really explosive in one go passing the uh, offenses. Mm. I think that if teams start to actually look at Tuatonga Vailoa and thinking, they could easily put up 28 points in a quarter if we don't at least cover off against Tyreek throw, uh, receiving it 50 yards downfield. If they make that switch, the Dolphins' offense might be stuck in the mud. But NFL defenses are going to have to ad- adapt to it very quickly because they, they could easily join that club of teams that you need to play two high safeties for against constantly just because of the Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle factor. Those two are immense. Yeah. Whether whether Tua can can pick apart a more complex defense and understand what he's seeing, um, I actually don't know whether he can. And I, I don't mean that whether like, I don't mean that in, like I doubt that he can. I just haven't. It'll be interesting to see when defenses start throwing something different because that's what I think Mahomes has been really good at. That's what something you know. That's the sort of thing that. The, you know, quarterbacks like 
I don't know, there's not that many examples because there's not many offences in NFL history who've just been about scoring on like 75-yard touchdowns as like the mainstay of their offence. Yeah. But certainly Mahomes comes to mind and some of the more like veteran quarterbacks will understand what they're seeing and, and can, you know, can throw to where it's, it's going to be. Whereas when you have Hill and Waddle, maybe the genius of it is maybe you don't need to do that because you they're going to be down downstairs and yeah. open. So. Yeah, it was a it was a brilliant game. Um, although, no, uh, let's wait and see if any trends from this game continue before we make any more judgments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, like you're saying, let's wait and see how how everyone looks. But um, I thought that Lamar Jackson has been pretty much at his best again. Um, he had a seventy five uh, yard rushing touchdown and a seventy five yard passing touchdown which is the first time in NFL history that that's happened as well so um definitely some explosive stuff coming out of uh coming out of Baltimore I'm just I I enjoy watching Lamar Jackson play when he's at his best and when he's fully healthy and this game was was no different um it's just that the Dolphins came out on top it was just a really good game of of two really high powered offenses Especially given that the Dolphins came back and with their high-end talent that they've now acquired, found a way to win it. So, yeah. Good with me. All right. We're going to turn our attention now to um, the first actual on the podcast, because we forgot to do it last week, Hero of the Week, which is a thing that we sort of came up with for um, who played best against the odds and won a game that nobody was expecting or had a, a the gutsiest performance. And there is only one team that we can look for, even though we are not going to talk about their game, and that is the New York Football Jets, who improved to one and one in a game that uh, largely didn't happen. You can go you can go out and see exactly what happened in that game, but those are that is our hero of the week, the New York Football Jets. Uh J E T E Jeet Jeet Jeet. Is all I'll say. Good fucking job, Joe Flacco. And let's move <laughs> on to games that we can talk about. And we're going to go straight into the late window uh, where the Arizona Cardinals, who another team who were absolutely getting the brakes beaten off them, 20 to nothing down at halftime, 23 to nothing. And then all of a sudden they scored 29 unanswered points and win it in overtime. 29 to 23 just another game where t- where both teams came to play but it was really weird because the cardinals took so long to wake up they've spent six quarters this season playing really under the radar and then out of nowhere they just suddenly shot out of a cannon oh yeah i mean it, at half time of this game it was like they just extended Cliff kingsbury but is he gonna get fired and those concerns are still there, but he got a big reprieve. I think this is one of those games where it looked like the field was tipped down on one side, and you know they were just going downhill easily after half time. Um, the Raiders came out looking pretty strong. Like they only got like uh, I'm not keeping track or anything, but two catches for 12 yards with Devontae Adams. <laughs> no, um, Hunter Renfrew played a bit uh, more of a bigger part in this game than than he did in Week One, but the, I don't think the Raiders were, by any accounts, running away with 
with the game, although it looked like that on the, on the scoreboard. But I think they just lent on Kyler Murray to make things happen in the second half, and uh, he very much did did so. <laughs> he put the team he put the team on his back. Some would say <laughs> <laughs> he he absolutely did, including on the longest ever recorded rush for a two-point conversion where I believe he ran about 83 yards, according yeah, to next-gen stats. Yeah. If, if, honestly, if you must, you'll probably have seen it by now, but if, if anyone listening to this hasn't seen it, oh my God, it's the, the funny thing is that he runs it in for... There's, there's, there's a point, ridiculously, that's like 12 seconds into this play. <laughs> yeah. But he used to go back like the 25-yard line or something. And, um... Like there's only two Raiders rushers, so in your mind you're like, okay, there's like nine dudes in the end zone just like running around covering people up, and even the fact that there's nine dudes in the end zone kind of still manages to run across the field and run in for a touchdown yeah. against all odds. That was Raidersy. The Raiders always find a way to look kind of bad, and um, yeah, I think this game once it went to overtime, even though the Cardinals only scored a... Did they score a field goal with the first possession over time? It, uh, it was one of those that felt like... No, they didn't They didn't even score in overtime until Hunter Renfro fumbled it. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, it was one of those that felt like even though the, the Raiders had the ball, it didn't It didn't feel like they really had a chance to win because the writing was sort of on the wall at that point. Yeah. And yeah, Renfro fumbles on, not back-to-back, but twice in three plays. Yeah. Um... Recovered the first one, luckily, and and in the and to be fair, on the second bubble, he, he got belted by Isaiah Simmons, um, as he was already going to the ground. So, yeah, loses the ball. Byron Murphy just about avoids Deshaun Jacksoning it by about. It didn't look that that close. To be honest, it didn't look that close in live. I was like, oh yeah, he's over. But on replay, it was a bit of a. <laughs> Yeah. It was a bit of a clencher for Cardinals fans, I'd imagine. I'm not going to lie. I, I thought it was the other way around. I thought he, there is no chance. I, I immediately said, check the replay. I need to see if he actually crossed the goal line. Because you're right. He he threw the ball. And it's funny because I've mentioned it before. We do a watch party in, in the big server that we use to record. And <laughs> I actually I made this point. You uh, Me and somebody else were talking about oh, we've not seen this in a while where players will accidentally like celebrate too early and lose the ball before they get to the goal line. And then we almost got it here with Byron Murphy. It was it was, it was crazy. Just get into the end zone and then throw it away. So. Can you imagine if that happens? Like, as a coach, I don't even know what you'd do. I'd retire on the spot. I'd be like, are you up with these guys? <laughs> yeah, Vontae Davis all over again. Yeah, it was. it's just like... Yeah, I would say the, the Colonel's got a bit of a reprieve. The Raiders are once again looking a bit like the same team that they have done the last few years with Derek Carr, even though obviously the offense has changed. They added Devontae Adams, who, yeah, was a big part of the game last week, not so much this week. And obviously they've got a new head coach and, and regime and everything. And, and yeah. This is a theme for this week as well. The more things change, the more they stay the same. It's a shared, shared DNA for the Raiders, I think. And uh, also tonight, Kyler Murray got slapped in the face by a fan in the end zone after the game. <laughs> yeah. That's Raiders behaviour as well. Yeah, it is. That only happens in two places. Las Vegas or Philadelphia. Yeah, or Oakland. But even 
even oh, though yeah. but... the black hole or anywhere in Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, turning our attention now to the O and two Cincinnati Bengals, who were beaten by Cooper Rush, twenty to seventeen. This game, it could have gotten away from the Bengals so much quicker. They pulled it back, and then all of a sudden, they get beaten by a late field goal again. It's back-to-back weeks now that the Bengals have started out incredibly slow, played down to opposition that they really shouldn't do, and have taken the L for it. 20-17, to Cowboys. I'm not going to lie, Cooper Rush looked a little sneaky out there. Yeah, I think um, we'll talk about the Rams later, but both the teams from last year's Super Bowl haven't looked too convinced coming out, but the Falcons, sorry, not the Falcons, the Bengals obviously own two, and um, I don't know. They've got they do have the look of a team with a Super Bowl hangover. I don't know whether it was the case of they over the summer didn't get quite enough uh, rest and recuper Russian. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus Christ! I think that's certainly that oh, one. So yeah. much he left. <laughs> yeah. Sam has gone. All right, he's back. How no, are you doing, honestly, Sam? How 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 bad can it be when a New York football giants uh, undefeated in the National Football League? In the we're Euro gonna get to it. Yeah, we're getting to it later. Let's not waste fifteen minutes talking about the wrong team. Stick <laughs> a cork in your glee hole. We'll get around to it. <laughs> so anyway, I was talking about the Penguins. No, the. Uh, a lot of pro- a lot of the problems. So I was talking um, with friend of the pod, Jack Brentnor, on Twitter about this because he's a he's a tape dog and I'm not a tape dog. I'm a vibe professional vibe analyzer, and um, he I was talking to him about whether how much of an actual advantage on the field does the Bengals coaching staff give their team, and he's he said it's a very fair question. And at this point, you know when they've not at all fixed the biggest issue with their team from last year, which was the offensive line and the blocking. They've made it, they spent money, and it's it's gotten worse. And at that point, you have to wonder whether yeah. it's a coaching thing. Um, 13 sacks over two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think it was countless number of times he, he, he got the, the breath knocked out of him. And, you know, to be fair, Steelers and Cowboys, those are two very good fronts, so it, it might not be that bad every week, but it makes it hard to operate as an offense, and they just looked a bit withdrawn, and they let the Cowboys throw sort of wacky stuff at them on the front end, and the Bengals didn't really know how to react. And yeah, scoring 14, 14 points was it in a game against the Cooper Rush Cowboys is is uh, a real is a real. They managed to get fingers. seventeen. Oh, never mind then. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> No, the finger is hovering over the panic button. I don't know who they've got next week, but if they lose that and go to 0-3... So then, the, um... the Bengals are actually joining... Uh, <laughs> they're going down to Broadway because it's the New York Football Jets. Oh. Who are, which, I don't know if you'll remember, but last year the Bengals were, were cruising along and then all of a sudden they ran into a, a jet-sized wall. That's a pretty big wall. That is a it's a huge wall. 
and they ended up getting getting beaten. So you know, when when yeah, if that happens, then hit the panic buttons. Yeah, you don't want to go zero three after facing Cooper Rush, Mitchell Trubisky, and Joe Flacco because that is, oh boy, that is oh that is alert, that is high alert, that is a nuclear meltdown right there. So, not a great start for well, the Bengals. On the Cowboys side, um, I think they really needed this win. They're going to need a couple more with Dak before Dak comes out. If they want to have any hope of, of staying in, like, I don't think the, the division is going to get away from them thanks to the almighty New York Giants. But if they want to stay in the wild card hunt, they do need to pick up a few while Dak is gone. And Cooper Rush, um, he wasn't, you know, outrageous or by any means, but he, he has really good chemistry with Noah Brown, which is kind of random. Um, but the Cowboys. <laughs> The Cowboys like need floating around like practice squad. Michael, well, Michael Gallup's hurt, and the Cowboys need someone to step up. So if they can get three or four first downs a game out of Noah Brown, that is that is going to be big for them. I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, so yeah, I wonder if the Cooper Rush thing. He looked really good. Is there's a sort of weird thing that happens in the NFL where whenever. Whenever a backup comes out and you're not really too sure how they work in the scheme and they get like this weird boost, it's like the, it's like just a, a first. Oh, week I of, don't know, of... Tom. You might be saying that because you've got to watch Duck Hodges. Sam's <laughs> come off the back of watching Jake from, and the last time I saw someone doing that, it was Deshaun Kaiser, and before him, <laughs> Brett Hundley. So I know, but at the same time, well, Brett Hundley played really well for. Uh, oh, was it? Oh shit! Who's the name of the? Ravens quarterback that uh, took over for Lamar Jackson a large part of last year. Ace McSorley. No, the other one. Tyler Huntley. That's the one. Yeah, sometimes your backup quarterback can... They'll they'll properly simplify the playbook, but sometimes that can work against the team, especially if a guy is going to come out and look a little frisky and try and, you know, make a play. Ed still likes Nick Mullins because of one game that he played right at the start of his tenure in San Francisco. Where I think it's, he beat the I crap out of the Raiders. Like it, it can happen. You, 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 you back up quarterback. He sits around the starters all day, every day, playing with the scout team. He comes in late window. Nobody's got any real film on him. I know Cooper Rush has played a little bit more than your your average like thrown in day one backup, but he, they, he's still he's still talented enough to to carry a team with a proper offensive scheme and they had one they set up well for him so it's it's a credit it's a credit to the offensive coaching staff for having a scheme that's um easy to understand and to step into but whether that scheme is a good fit and maximizes the most out of their normal incumbent starting quarterback that one's a different discussion or yeah we might get into that one later this year yeah absolutely but for now i'm not going to put any effort into really talking about like Cooper Rush going forward because I still think that he'll probably end up losing the next three games just because he's the shit out of Ben DiNucci I'll tell you that much yeah but... certainly losing the next one I'll tell you that I'll tell you that for free <laughs> Jesus Christ um <laughs> alright let's uh let's go to we, let's go to the final mention, um the, he's a fucking linebacker the rookie last year Michael Parsons Allen. Yeah, did you mention Mike Parsons at all? Oh, we didn't actually. To be fair, two sacks, four tackles. Good Christ! Great start I've never, to the year. I've, I 
I mean, I'm not the biggest tape dog in the world. I literally just said that at the start of this discussion. <laughs> yeah, I did. I feel like I feel like it sounds more kind of relatable coming from me. Ouch, because I'm from the south. <laughs> I've never really seen someone like move in the path brush the way Micah Parsons does. It's incredible. He is he he's an absolute monster coming off the edge and the fact that he's this good already as a second year guy, I mean he was great last year. He got as soon as they found how effectively to use him which was basically just having him be a free outside linebacker almost like almost not giving him a scheme and just telling him to do what he wanted like that that worked he was really good and again he starts out here getting two sacks right off the bat i mean i know that this bengals line is bad and they keep giving up sacks to almost anybody but two sacks to michael parsons already it's a great start so we'll keep an eye on how he does for the rest of the year um yeah. Wait, uh... Did you guys see before the season started that quote from Lyle Collins when he signed for the Bengals? Yeah. Anybody body <laughs> does in town, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, which is actually fair enough because most bodyguards and, and bouncers that I, uh, I've i ever come across are actually useless at their job. So it checks out. Denigrating the entire profession of door security men right there. Yeah. <laughs> They That's it. our key demo, you moron. <laughs> uh, the only uh, good one that I've ever club. met is Nev from from Leadmill. Nev is go a trooper. A, go to a club. You see the guy at the front of the queue, the bouncer. He's wearing a grey muscle shirt. He's got the high vis like armband, <laughs> and he's got his his ear pod in. And you know what's playing in that? It's ours, baby. We own the market. <laughs> <laughs> Undefeated in, in bodyguards and doormen, age 55 to 70. So you can fight like a crow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For bodyguards. Bye, bodyguards. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's turn our attention now to, the, to the, the last remotely interesting game of the late window. Where the Los Angeles Rams, we get we're basically now officially in the period where all of the games that came before, we've got a lot to talk about. The rest of these games will probably rattle through pretty quickly. Just just so you're all aware. So I don't know. We talked about the Steelers. I've got nothing to say. I'm more worried about Sam with the Giants. Is is my concern? But uh, I mean, did you see the game? There's not much to talk about. Yeah, that's that's my main thinking. So anyway. We got the one and one Los Angeles Rams, who very nearly threw it all away, beating the Falcons thirty-one to twenty-seven. Falcons start out zero and two, but like I say, that fourth quarter, the cursed scoreline of twenty-eight to three. Surely they couldn't do it, and they nearly did. <laughs> and they, did. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't, but they nearly did. Yeah, they, the Falcons didn't have the ball at the end to close it. I kind of, when I was watching it live, you kind of got the feeling that they might not have the wherewithal to complete the comeback. And sure enough, Jalen Ramsey mosses someone at the goal line. I don't even know who he was mossing, Zacchaeus or some random guy. Um, 
Yeah, it was fun. Like, I don't really know exactly how the Falcons managed to get back into it. They got a couple of picks off Stafford. Um, I don't... I mean, Mariota, like, that last half, like, he, he played pretty well. He played really well right up until the exact moment where we needed him to do something that wasn't yeah. Marcus Mariota-like. Um, yeah, he, he had the play where he fell flat on his face. Yeah, got up and threw for a first down, which was comedy <laughs> goal. Um, that was a great one. Like, there's a screenshot of him literally lying prone in the dirt with two unblocked Rams defenders about five yards away from him. <laughs> I don't quite know how he managed to do it, but but props to him. I think um, the main point really from this game, which isn't fully related to this game, but is a trend that we saw this week, is like there's a lot of really good receivers in this league now. Yeah, like. Drake London showed out in this game. Obviously, Cooper Cup is is um, carrying on, picking up where he left off, basically. Yeah. Even Alan Robinson got a bit more love this week. But then, like, in the Jets game, you had um, Garrett Wilson was going crazy. I mean, it was literally, like, there were, like, 150-yard receivers, like, a dime a dozen <laughs> this week. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them were first and second-year players. So, there's a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes... Well, that's kind of what happens when when you look at like the last three years of NFL like draft classes. It's pretty much all been the main story has been these are a guy, these are a bunch of guys that we could have had like eight first round wide receivers, and that was the same case again this year. There are so many as you look through the draft over the last few years of guys that are, that are really really talented. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that Drake London's showing out, like you mentioned, Garrett Wilson showing out, like... I mean, Jalen Waddle, I know you've already talked about yeah. the Dolphins game, but insane. It, it truly is. NFL teams that need wide receivers right now are in the best position because there are loads out there in the NFL draft. And to be fair, there's still guys that... Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't found a team yet. I know that I know that he's old and what have you, but like even if you are in the need of just a veteran guy to carry you through a few weeks, there are guys out there. The NFL wide receiver market is stacked right now, and the Jaguars paid eighteen million dollars a year to Christian Kirk. I mean, it's it's maybe a bad week to malign the Jaguars. Yeah, you're absolutely but, right. But the point stands. I mean, speaking of like incredible receiving talents um he may not play at wide receiver but the falcons have fucking got one and they refuse to use kyle pitts why he, he went like two for three for like not even 20 yards in this game yeah two two catches 19 yards no touchdowns I, this is really going to be a bigger story than it would be because of how highly Pitts was drafted in fantasy leagues this year. Well, <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew that know. Kyle Pitts was going to... I saw his yards total, but no touchdowns. And I saw that Marcus Mariota was his quarterback, and I immediately just slapped a giant red flag on that. Um, although, to be fair, that hasn't worked because I'm being banged in every fantasy league that I'm in. So, way to go me, but yeah. Like Kyle Pitts isn't gonna be productive for fantasy leagues because touchdowns are the key. 
I don't think he's, he's going to be productive not, anyway. Yeah, he's just not. He's just not getting the attention right now. I don't know why. Maybe this but is just fantasy, like a, a fantasy thing. isn't real and doesn't matter. Even though I've got, <laughs> even though even though I lose twenty real pounds every year in in one of my fantasy, <laughs> it doesn't matter and it can't hurt me. But the the, the Falcons, even without pits. They could be really fun. They're not going to be good, but again, they could be fun. You know, I mean, Mario is Mario playing really above his station. You know, he looks he looks better than he did in Tennessee, for example. And obviously, they've got Pitts, they've got London, they've got Patterson, they've got a couple of fun players. I mean, yeah, I'd like to see them. I don't know, find happiness this year. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the Falcons have much of a chance of. Going ten and seven, but I mean, I'd like to see them find joy in what they're watching. Yeah, how boring can a team be when they have Cordell Patterson? Yeah, he didn't Great. get much fun either, to be honest. I know. You've got, you've got so many weapons, Arthur. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> like if CBBC shows took a real turn, didn't they? It's like if you break into your. If someone breaks into your house and... And devises an offensive game plan for you. (laughs) And you've got a gun on your table and you instead, like, grab a plate out of the cupboard and try and throw it at him. Drake London's worn a plate. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Let's go. I've just realised when I sent out the thing, I actually completely missed the game off. But that that's that's indicative of how of how little it is. But I'll just which one was it? It was the Saints Buccaneers game. I completely oh, missed I... that off of the off of the thing, but it doesn't matter. All right, let's turn our wait, attention. Let's, wait, let's let's just let's discuss the Saints Buccaneers game for eight seconds. Okay. Um, point number one: Jameis Winston is going to Jameis Winston. Yes. Part number two. Um, what if Aaron Rodgers was like throwing his iPad around, or sorry, his Microsoft Surface Pro tablet around on the sideline like Tom Brady does? He would honestly be hanged. Not that I'm saying that he shouldn't be, but that is what happens. The... And third of all, um, the there was a big fight, which was quite funny. Yeah, it was just another Mike Evans Blackmore fight. There's one, <laughs> yeah. every, there's one every year. Chauncey well, Gardner Johnson was watching in Philly, like, ruefully. He was like, oh, I could have really been a major player in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this game was so unbelievably turgid for so long. Sucked shit. It was dreadful. Um, I actually just kind of wanted to just shove it last, but we'll get it out of the way. Um yeah, I'll I'll go along with all of that. I will say people are, people are making a way bigger thing out of the Tom Brady throwing a, a Surface tablet around because I seem to remember Tom Brady being this much of a mardy asshole every yeah. time that it doesn't go his way. This is that's who Tom Brady is. It's just that like he also he wins a lot. <laughs> yeah, he, he like it. It happens every time he does something like this. He very consistently has like tantrums in this manner. But every time he does, people are like, seems like someone's showing their true colours. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Can you just like... sports media? Not related, not related to the, the game in any way. Um, but can you imagine you're Tom Brady and you go home to your kids who you clearly hate, which is why you had to come back to the league. And the and kids, your wife like, who you clearly hate. Yeah, and like you, you put it on your kid and your kid starts having a tantrum and freaking out and you're like, stop it. 
and your kid's like, I saw you do it on telly. There's no coming back from that. Yeah, he's lost his, he's, he's got no respect as a man or a father in his house. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on to a game that you know the whole podcast can take an L on this one because our team, the Indianapolis Colts, took another oh. giant shit all over the field, and this time. It was in Clan Tan because the Jacksonville Jaguars improving to one and one won by twenty four to nothing. Shut out of the year. Good job, Indianapolis, you fucking idiots. It's it is funny because like <laughs> there's something about the Colts and the Jags. They can't the Colts are not capable of being the Jags. They could have an all star team of like every era of the NFL combined and they still embarrassed themselves. I don't know what it is. Like even their good players like Jonathan Taylor couldn't get anything going. And Matt Ryan looked like my God, he looked sad and pathetic. Yeah, Matt Ryan. Oh. How warm is Frank Price? Behind. Lose one more like that and very Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, I know that they, Jim Irsay is one else to play. Well, they've not had Shaq Leonard, who I didn't again. I didn't realize that he changed his name this off season to to Shaq instead of uh, Darius. But um, they've not had Shaq Leonard for either of the games, which is a big miss because he is their best offensive player. But come on, man, really? Yeah, he's not going to score them twenty points off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was just like Matt Ryan had two of like the worst interceptions you're likely to see. He also think, he had a he had a dreadful like sack that that just took way too long to get the ball out and it was just oh oh dear it was bad it honestly looked like a hapless like you know when like you get an undrafted rookie come in and they just look completely overmatched or like someone who's really reached the end of their career but like really really reached the end of their career ah Ben DiNucci. yeah <laughs> <laughs> he might just do both things at the same time <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, it was it was god awful, and I think the other point of mentioning is um, Trevor Lawrence looks okay. He looks good, fine. Yeah, I, he was like twenty five for for thirty, I think. Yep, and like almost two hundred and fifty yards. He doesn't get to play the Colts every week, but I mean, it was better than he played last season. Yeah, and. He had a sort of really weird, shaky week one, and I, I was still like, oh, I'm not really too sure, and, and I needed him to show me anything that made him like a first overall pick. This game went a little bit, just a, just a tiny bit of a way towards, you know, making that happen, because they did look good. They just looked like a, a functional team, which is largely an improvement over the last, like, three years of Jacksonville Jaguars. So, like, Abby Stepp. Yeah. Do you want to hear something quite depressing? That might be our last thought on this game. Yeah, go on. That every single win in the AFC South belongs to the Jaguars. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's 1-1, one 0-2 and one, oh and two for oh and the Titans, two. and 0-1-1 oh one and oh one one for one. the Texans and Colts. Oh, God. Oh, that is the new NFC East. Already. The NFC East is the old... AFC West, <laughs> which <laughs> footballing powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. 
to a high-scoring game, which actually got out very, very, very quickly away from the Washington Commanders as the Detroit Lions, the Hard Nogs team, getting their first win on the year. And they very nearly blew it until DeAndre Swift uh, had a receiving touchdown late in the game. 36-27, to both teams are at 1-1. One one. Uh, this was about as as similar a game as I could have imagined. Apart from Amon Ross St. Brown looking like an absolute Here's baller. Here's another guy. <laughs> yeah. Another second-year receiver who's blowing up the league right now. Absolutely. I mean, he, yeah. he had he had the most rushing yards on the entire team with 68 off two carries, which I'd, I'm pretty sure both of those were jet sweeps, right? Or one was a, a screen pass that technically went backwards. And then they, and they also went nine receptions for 116 yards and two tutties. This comes after him having a, a really nice week last week. He's, he's looking he's looking good. Um, Jared Goff throwing four touchdowns in the year 2023, or I guess 22, but it's the 23 season. Who'd have thunk? Jared Goff's second ever explosive offense, <laughs> which is more than most quarterbacks ever get, so that's a little strange. Yeah. Aiden Hutchinson had three sacks in this game. He had a bit of a showing out. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Lions look good. They look good. They they um kind of had a, a weird couple of games, like a lot of points on the board <laughs> for and against the Lions in the first two weeks. But um, I guess when your coach is a maniac, that sort of thing can kind of happen. Does that mean um, that the Lions are technically the second highest scoring offense in the league behind Buffalo now? Yeah, that sounds about right. They had twenty. Wait, they had thirty-five points, last week and thirty-six this week. So the thirty-five point five. I think that they they're only usurped by the Buffalo Bills running up the score against the Titans this week. Otherwise, that, and, and the um, Lions haven't had nearly as many turnovers and the turnover margin. So they're probably averaging the best yards per drive or points per drive in the league right now. What a um, time to be alive. The Detroit Lions might not be so bad. It is funny. We'll wait and see what, like, what they're doing against a proper team because Washington, um, it wasn't as close really. like They really got behind, but Garbage Time Wentz yeah. is a well-known phenomenon. Um, we and Tom were tracking this on fantasy. Curtis Samuel had a good game for the second, uh, second week running. Um scored me quite a lot of fantasy points, um, which I much appreciate him for doing so. Yeah, I think the Lions are going to be ones to watch. Like, you can't really concede as many points a week as they're doing right now. Um, and they probably won't play... They'll probably face uh, stiffer defences than what they've faced so far. But Well, I mean, they, yeah, face, the, they face the Eagles' defence, and... I know that they got a lot of points in garbage time, but like the Eagles are a legitimate, like yeah. potential deep playoff run team, as we'll come on to later on. Um, as you've got some great points about Sirianni, I think that they actually they've had a test. They lost that test, but they've they've played two sort of tiers of team right now. Beating the team in the lower tier means that they've at least improved on what they usually do because. They looked comfortable against the Commanders. I know that the Commanders came back a, a long way because of, you know, garbage time wins. But it was 22 to nothing at halftime. They they didn't have a quarter where they didn't score points, and they haven't done it all season so far. They've scored a touchdown in every um, in every quarter, I think. So... One to watch. Yeah. 
Fair play. We'll see what happens if Jared Goff does get lit up a bit. Yeah. That hasn't yeah. historically boded well, but it hasn't happened yet. I, uh, the offensive line is meant to be quite good. Well, we saw that we sort of spoke about that um, that graph that I'd seen about uh, pass uh, pass block ratings, and the Lions, I believe, were fifth or sixth this week. So I think it was just a week one playing the Eagles, getting set their their rating of zero and being dead last uh, sharply improved. So fair play, Detroit. Just a week one weird thing that happened, but that was a little bit more like what I was expecting out of like Frank Ragnow and. Panice Wool and stuff, so yeah. Nice. Alright. Moving on. Uh to the two and O for the first time in what feels like uh, a century. New York football giants who beat the Carolina Panthers nineteen to sixteen. Daniel Jones throwing for a touchdown pass. Um and that was that was the only touchdown that the Giants appear to have scored. Uh, it's the only one we needed, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, other than that, it was it was very much a kicker show. Both both quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones, playing very underwhelming but very routine games. Got a nice game out of Christian McCaffrey though, who had 128 total yards, which is nice off of 19 touches. So maybe one to watch. Saquon Barkley also had a, a pretty. Pretty fine game. Had a lot of carries, seventy-two yards, average three point four. But yeah, just a just a, a just a, a win for the G-men and, a, and an L for the Panthers, and that's that's about it for this game. Oh, not much that you can really say about the actual game. Only really interesting things that I took away from it were, firstly, Daniel Jones is doing enough. Like he's managed to like get them down the field enough these last few games with a lot of help from Saquon to get them two wins but if that's how he carries on he he's not going to be on the team next year yeah like there has to be a, a massive massive improvement if if they look to keep him and for it to be worth doing so Especially in this year, where it seems as though there's there's a few quarterbacks that people are looking at and thinking mm, they could make the jump to the NFL level. I mean, there's people like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, but there's even guys like Tanner McKee and Will uh, Will Levis as well that people are sort of having a little sneaky look at. Yeah. So, doesn't look like the Giants are going to be. Well, you know what? Like, I, I don't want to dampen the pipe, but the, the wheels could fall off for the Giants. <laughs> oh, they, they almost it's, certainly will. It's possible, but the one thing I think you can really nail flag to for the G-Men is their their defensive line. Um, that's very good. They lost Leonard Williams in this game, but they don't have Thibodeau or... Um, or Ojolari. Ojolari, yeah. So they're missing Mike two of their biggest, biggest players. Alice, but but they, they harangue Baker Mayfield in the pocket and he never... Look stumped or in a clean pocket, so you can imagine what that looked like. Yeah, um, and I think when you generate that much pressure, you give yourself a chance. Like, like you said, Daniel Jones did enough, but not necessarily in a positive way. So, go on, if they you can hold their <laughs> if you can hold your I mean, opponent under seventeen, yeah, then you've got. Crystal Lawrence is having like a nice, a nice little season so far on that D line too. No sacks yet, but I think he's on like. 
six or seven pressures for the year. So, you know, generating quite a lot. Um, Adore Jackson had a really good game, too. Um, and I think um, they just, like, I think Kenny Galladay just, like, missed the team bus or... <laughs> I don't know. I, he certainly I... missed... He's certainly missed a few buses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I, it really would not surprise me if he's put like he. Uh, do you guys know who David Sills is? David Sills the fifth. Uh, no, no, I don't. But he's a receiver that got a start over Kenny Galladay <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> Like, and he's like the third. fifth iteration. They've had a world to perfect him. <laughs> yeah. 5.0. Um, so that's a bit strange. Uh, We've yeah. got Kenny Stills at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't I don't feel as good now that it seems like Dallas have managed to find a way for Cooper Rush to be a legitimate option at QB. But you know, we, we we keep rolling. Keep putting W's on the board and you stay in the hunt. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know who... gonna be on those on those in the hunt graphics in like two weeks if we get another win or two. Oh, it's yeah, it's way know, but... longer for the in the hunts to start coming out. You're normally you're normally on there anyway because you play in the NFC East when it's like in the hunt Giants three and seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Um, quick quick question, Matt Rule is he going to be the first coach fired this season? Yes or no? Um, he should be. <laughs> yeah, he should be. David Tepper seems enamored with him, which is why he's made it this far. But surely, one more of those and bye bye. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, you could maybe argue that, you know, injuries to Christian McCaffrey and not having a, a, a an actual starter that you wanted, sure, whatever. But they they went out and got Baker Mayfield because they believed that he would be the guy this year, especially, to at least, like, see how their offense runs. And it runs just as poorly as it did before. But their defense seems to get worse. They need to give year. they he need to give Baker Mayfield a, a really good offensive line to stand a chance. Yeah, because Baker Mayfield is one of those sort of Wentzian style players where he'll make heroic style plays, but he wants to make those plays all the time. But without the O line to keep him upright for longer than two point one seconds, he's not going to do it. So it's just they didn't they didn't. They don't have any cohesion or plan. I know a friend of the show, Connor Brosnan, is absolutely furious with Matt Rule, and I, was so, I would be it's too. It's so funny because he was like, because obviously he's a Chelsea fan as well, and Chelsea were in the doldrums. They fired their manager in the first <laughs> season, and he was like, at this point, this is like, like for a few weeks ago, he was like, at this point, I'm just excited for the NFL season. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Poor Connor. Yeah, no, Baker's a CBG certified ball gripper. Get that thing flying, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on to another. uh, Both teams ending up at one and one on the year. The Patriots had a bad game last week against the Dolphins. 
But they get the win here, 17-14 to 14 at Akrisha Stadium, which I've remembered to call it right. Uh, yeah, this game, I don't think that either team did anywhere near enough to win it at all. But the Patriots got the advantage of Gunnar Olszewski having the ball bounce very comically off of his face mask on a on a punt, and they scored the their 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 touchdown that won them the game off of it. Um, there was also an, a really nice play down the right hand side where Nelson Aguilar absolutely mossed the Keller Witherspoon, who had a pretty poor game really. Um, he's not but, a point of the catch contester right here. Yeah. He's he's very much a I'm gonna deflect the ball as opposed to I'm gonna beat you in man coverage kind of guy, which means I'm gonna put him in man coverage apparently. Um Minka Fitzpatrick had an interception. Uh so did hang on, it was Jalen Mills who was Cam Sutton dropped one right before the touchdown. Yeah, Cam Sutton dropped one directly before the Patriots had that punt that got muffed by Gunnar Olszewski, who is a Patriots plan, former Patriot of course. Um, the 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 story really that I'm I'm seeing about this game is neither side is particularly all that enthused about how this game went because it was a really bad game, but uh, none none less so than uh, George Pickens and every paying customer at Acrisha Stadium, who Pickens uh, came out afterwards and said that he was ninety percent open on on his plays. Uh, which I've watched the tape back. Uh, I think he's being humble. He comes open about 97% of times. It's just Mitchell Trubisky just doesn't look at him. Um, and the fans at Akrisha count uh, chanting for Kenny Pickett, which means that it only took six quarters on Max's prediction that Mitchell Trubisky's leash would be incredibly short for the Steelers crowd to turn on Trubisky. And in fairness they would be correct to do so because the weird part about the Steelers' offense this year is our offensive line actually doesn't look that bad, especially in pass pro. We've been weirdly giving Trubisky a lot of time. It's just that he's throwing off of his back foot for no reason every time and also not looking at players downfield. Even when they get open, we have three of the... three really good wide receivers and a, a good pass... We've got one of the best wide receivers in Deontay Johnson and two really good athletic wide receivers in Claypool and Pickens and a pass-catching tight end in, in Frymouth. There is no excuse to want to check it down consistently to Najee Harris, but uh, Mitch, you are, you are on the shortest leash that I have ever seen. Can you pick it in, please? for our week four game because we're not playing in week three. It'll be interesting to see what Mike Tomlin says about that this week because he seemed like there's been reports of varying veracity, but he seems by all accounts to be fairly adamant about wanting to start Mitch if for the whole season, if possible, um, or certainly for as long as possible. But like after those two games, I mean... Yeah, Mitch can give himself a longer leash with a, a good performance next week, but I don't know. He's <laughs> the the game was there for the taking. Like it was one of those yeah. games where it's like do something and you'll win. Yeah, yeah. And they they did not do anything. Yeah, because the 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 thing with the thing with how Trubisky's played is you ve- the the reason as to why playing the veteran over the rookie is 
Trubisky is supposedly used to the the NFL speed of the game, and he'll make better anticipation throws because he's he's done this at, at the NFL level and he's played in NFL offenses before. But I've seen more anticipation from Kenny Pickett in preseason than I have done from Mitchell Trubisky in any game this this preseason or regular. So, uh, he certainly what is the point? He certainly has shown a lot of what he did on Sunday at the NFL level at all. I'll give him that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes. The leash the leash should be a lot shorter than Tomlin is. I don't think that Tomlin's the sort of guy that will ever go out in the press and ever make that announcement. I mean, it took him it took him weeks to ever actually announce it to the media that Trubisky was even starting week one. Um, he doesn't... He doesn't announce anything going into any game you just sort of got to make the assumption but i wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see kenny pickett start at least from week four if if trubisky doesn't play well on thursday night in a game that we won't be talking about so breaking news wide receiver malcolm ten in pittsburgh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it is true though um but yeah, Patriots get the win, the much needed win. Mac Jones didn't he didn't really play all that well, but he didn't really need to cuz he had the main throw that happened and then they scored a touchdown on like a very short field. Um yeah, just just a just a bad game and we should move on from it right now. Um to another uh, bad game, but with an actual talking point. Because Trey Lance is done for the NFL season, which means that for the past three, four years of uh, football, he has played a combined five games, which is, uh, well, it's dreadful. But Jimmy Garoppolo carried the San Francisco 49ers to a win. Uh, and we got Geno Smith coming out and playing like Geno Smith did in the second half of that Broncos game because he's not very good and we shouldn't be putting any stock into Geno Smith in 2022. Uh, the Niners 27 and uh, well 27 to 7 winners. Does anybody have anything to note about this game which was bad? No. Me neither. I like Trey Lance, like as a. I mean, he's a guy, like he's a human being. I I feel bad for him. Like, I really don't want to like come after a guy who's just had that happen to him. It's so unfortunate. But I genuinely think that the Forty ers are actually now in a in a much better position to compete this year. I genuinely think that. Well, yeah. I think that's I. I would argue that that's fairly obvious. Because yeah, he's... Jimmy G is such a known quantity for them, and they know exactly what they're going to get from him. Yeah, but I just think like they're a better team with Garoppolo than they were going to be with, Tra- uh, with Trey Lance. And... Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I feel sorry for the guy, but that that is that's my opinion. So cancel me if you must. <laughs> I don't think that you're going to get cancelled for saying that you like the guy as a person, but you don't think that he's a very good football player right now, because I think a lot of people would be inclined to agree with you. 
Oh, yes. Are we put on a pedestal? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. And that's all I have to add about this game. Um, and yeah, I, that and was I very well. Hee hee! Fucking Christ alive. All right. Final game of the Sunday slate. Um, we we have many 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 words to say about it, but my word to say about it is Broncos country. Let's ride. As the Denver Broncos beat the Houston Texans, although I I say I say beat very loosely. Hey, they they didn't lose to the Houston Texans. <laughs> I've got an idea for this this game. Okay. We can edit this out if you if you think it comes out to be a crap idea, but if you'll just allow me one indulgence, <laughs> we've got we've got a bit of time to discuss this, but I'm going to keep a timer: 40, 39, 38, 37, <laughs> oh god, 36. Russell Wilson um, is not very good, and Nathaniel Hackett is just an absolute goddamn coward when it comes to anything to do with the NFL. He is a bum. He's already crap. I think, Sam he I think he might actually, like, go 1-0. and I think he, like, if he carries on making 19, like this, 18. I think he's gone by the end of the year. Do you think so? I, I dreadful. It is, it is appalling. Because the Texans didn't 10, look good, but the Broncos look worse. They're paying Russell. Eight, the, play, the, seven, the, the Broncos fans six, were giving the team the five, play clock on four, the day because the coaching three, was so bad. Oh, God, two, what a dreadful team. One. Delay of games. <laughs> Delay of podcast. Oh. <laughs> Davis Mills and the Houston Texans are wasting our time. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It is true what I said though. The 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 Broncos fans started loudly giving the play clock. You could hear it. I never heard that. The Broncos started booing their new offense faster it's than the Steelers calling to pick it. Yeah. Honestly, this I, team I, is I, a joke. <laughs> I don't know what I expect from this year. It's like, honestly becoming like um, it is becoming like. Uh, the Hackett experience has become like one for the record books. Like, he's not like, it's not like Urban Meyer bad where he was a piece of shit human being, but it's like Rich Kotai bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it is just the, the 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 complete lack of competence for the basic things. You don't need to do anything fancy against the Houston Texans to to have a decent shot. You don't need it. They have Russell Wilson. They have Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. They've got Cortland Sutton. They've got Jerry Judy. And they still can't find a way to do the basics well enough that their fans don't resort to almost throwing them out of the game themselves because they can't keep an eye on 40 seconds. What was that like? Third, it was like it was like a third and one or two where they tried to run like a, a fake. Oh, it was like a high end sweep or something. Yeah. With a, a guy who had had like three touches in his career, like you have oh, it was uh, Andrew Beck, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Not a real player. I, I just I can't get over it. I really can't get over it. No wonder they struggled so much against the Seahawks if they can't even keep an eye on the cl- uh, on the play clock and and situational football in their home stadium when there's a silent count. 
God, they just they just think, suck. I think that they have already taken too much of our time from us, and we should move on before we take a delay of audience interest. They actually, yeah, From they, this country, this die. They did actually <laughs> genuinely, like, they have angered me. I'm going to need Max to, like, calm me down here by, by bringing what? some hope and joy here by talking about Sunday Night Football where the Chicago Bears lost 10-27 to against the Green Bay Packers. Max, just take it away and let me just simmer down. Noted football optimist, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me take the reins on this one. Um, I haven't really got too much to say about this. The Packers played a lot better, obviously, than they did in Week One. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be the guy. I imagine um, you're chasing Aaron Jones sideline to sideline all game, and then they put AJ Dillon in, and you've got to tackle AJ Dillon. It doesn't seem like a very fun experience. Um, the Packers got um a little bit out of Alan Lazard, who sort of touchdown on his return. Sammy Watkins had a big catch in this game. He had a few catches. I think the biggest difference was Elton Jenkins came back and immediately the Packers were able to do a lot more in the run game. Um, yeah, especially moving the Bears side to side. And they just about managed to get away, although um, Amari Rogers tested us on this one. They just managed to get through another game with no uh, special teams gas. So they even had a few special teams positive plays, which is very rare for them. Um, on the Bears side... It, it was not very pretty. I saw a crazy stat, which was um, the Bears looked good on their first drive. David Montgomery was really knifing through the Packers, and Justin, Justin Fields, Fields had, had some, yard. Yeah, he had some nice throws on that opening drive. I thought, oh, we're going to get a game here. Yeah, after that flea flicker, Justin Fields dropped back to pass 14 times, and the Bears averaged on those 14 dropbacks negative 0.73 EPA per play. So, on average, they lost close to a, a full expected point <laughs> so every time Justin Fields went back. He had some, he had some misses. He, I don't think there was like a, a fumble snap exchange they had, but that didn't. That's not that wasn't counted in the EPA calculations. So it could have been even worse, I guess. Um, threw a pick down the game late. I mean, he he didn't even throw it like. He didn't even have eight completions, I don't think. It's, it's slightly worrying to me because that's two times that that's two different coaching staff now who have come in and they're not trusting Justin Fields to let it fly. And I'm, it might be a bit of a homer take. I mean, he is good running the ball and their running attack looked a lot more dynamic than, you know, it, it's, they got away from it, but they came back to it later in the game. I suppose I should mention there was definitely a, a Bears touchdown that should have stood, but because of clear and obvious, it didn't. <laughs> he um, but, over that line. Yeah, he absolutely did. But I, I don't think it would have really changed the outcome of the game. Like It would have made it a one-score game, so you never know. But the Packers were the better team of the night. So I, I don't know uh, if it would make that much difference. They closed out pretty well. But yeah, Justin Fields, I mean, he had, that, he had that snap where he threw the ball like four yards past the line of scrimmage. That was quite funny looking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just don't know whether I just don't know when the questions start to set in about like yeah. is this a guy who is sustainable? He's like the poor well, poor just, man's Jalen Hurts. Like I don't think it's a question of whether he's sustainable. I think it's whether a I think it's a question of whether he's sustainable in Chicago. I just don't know. Like Jalen Hurts can like make these throws. That they, they, yeah, they didn't ask him too much in that Philly offense, right? And, 
it's hard to it's a tough comparison for Justin Fields because Jalen Hurts is really freaking good right now, and obviously Justin Fields hasn't been in the same ballpark. But you know, like Jalen Hurts will step up and make the throws when you ask him to. But I don't even know if Justin Fields can can do those staple throws of an offense. You know, I think it's a really limited playbook. But you could equally turn around and say, well, they've not given him a chance. They don't really have many receivers out there. Yeah. Who can make a play like Jalen Hurts has AJ Brown and Devonta Smith? Obviously, the Bears don't have. It is looking a little bit concerning, considering that the Bears traded up to to get Justin Fields and how little they seem to trust him. I know that that was the previous regime, but like, he's still on his rookie deal. It's almost like they're sort of preparing for the whole team to be blown up with like the moves that they've made this past off season. They're like. I know that we've got a rookie qu- uh, rookie contract quarterback, which is like the most important asset that you can really have. Um, but we're going to just choose to blow it up anyway because we didn't like what the previous regime did, which is fair enough. But it's just such a it's just such a bad position to be in. There's certain teams that you just see go through this every five years. Yeah, they are stuck in the mud. They, it's it's so difficult to get out of because you can't you don't want to you don't want to give a guy on a rookie contract, a great team for him to blow it. But you also don't want to give a a, a guy without a rookie contract like a bad team because then you're just wasting your money. So it's a double whammy. But that means that you just end up in this, in this rut that like the Giants and the Jets and now the Bears are sort of stuck in where they just hey, keep the going. Joe Flacco. I, I, come on. Um... <laughs> But yeah, they just keep rotating and like, yeah, it's just... Ah! Oh, God. Daniel Jones, Chicago Bears quarterback, 2023. Oh, no. You know, the worst part is, is if he was going to go anywhere, he wouldn't go to the Jets. I think he'd go to the Bears. Oh, all the Panthers... Oh, yeah. Neither of the those are entertaining. Up on former first rounders, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, pounding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the only thing I would say for the Bears is they've got the signs of um, a good young secondary. They've got obviously early Jackson back then. They've also got Jalen Johnson's quite good. Um, Jaquan Brisker's getting good reviews, and they kind of the Packers kind of picked on Kyler Gordon a bit yesterday, but I think he's they were high on him. Um, so yeah, the signs obviously Dominic Roberts. Uh, Rob, is it Dominic Robertson? I think it is the rookie linebacker. He looked pretty good. I think he had a couple of good plays last night. So there's, it's sort of business as usual for the Bears. They've got promising young defensive pieces to to work around and questions about the offense. Yeah, All right. and as for the Packers, let's see how they look against the Bucks next week. <laughs> I don't know if they'll win, but let's see what they look like. All right, I'll go along with that. Um, and then we finally turn our attention to Monday Night Football, where we got a couple uh, of real real blowout games from two teams that were comprehensively better on the day. We're going to start with the Buffalo Bills, just because I have less to say about this game, and getting it out of the way is nice. 41-7 to winners over the Titans, 2-0, whereas the Titans dropped to 0-2. Titans look bad in this early start to the season, and the Bills just look like they've gone from strength to strength. Yeah, they just look really good again. It's effortless. 
Yeah, they um they, they look transcendental right now. Like they're playing a different game and they're having fun doing it. Yeah. And I'm Diggs. having fun watching it. Diggs. Oh my god, I was not having my fantasy <laughs> loss was so brutal. All I needed was for Stefan Diggs to not outscore Aaron Rodgers, Miles Sanders and Justin Jefferson combined. And he beat them by eight points. And I was watching the highlights of the game with my head in my hands every time he launched it. He was just there. So I was shattered about that. And and I think um, the Titans, oh my God, they suck out loud at the moment. And everything we feared about mediocre team Ryan Tannehill in the preseason may yet come true. Now, I'd like to hand it over to our weekly segment, Sam's Takes on the Bills Defensive Packs. You better wish Dane Jackson well because that he took a scare. Oh God, that was. Well, who was the other? Was it a safety? Or it was Jordan Mike White. Right? Oh, was it? Yeah. No. Was it Hyde? Oh no, no. Oh, you mean who he collided yeah. with? Oh no, it was Tremaine Edmonds who hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Coyle went off as well. Um, no, Michael Hyde got a neck injury as well. Hyde, that's it. But yeah, apparently they they heard from both of like um, from both of them like people within the team, but don't have any news as to like injuries or diagnosis or anything. But it was a a horrible hit to watch. Being I an think... NFL fan experience is, is like this. You see a guy go off in an ambulance, and then you read in the tweet, has movement in all extremities, and you're like, oh, he's fine then, get him back out there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've seen um, about Dane Jackson that he avoided uh, any damage to his spinal cord or his oh, vertebrae, God. which is which is at least an encouraging sign, but man, the I fact mean, that that was... That, if you saw that hit, to know that he's avoided any major like <laughs> yeah well, damage that, is amazing that's part of the duality of watching this sport is is having to have to feel relief about a guy having no damage to his vertebrae because that's the thing that can just happen at any yeah. point in this sport i mean I mean, the back of his skull basically touched one of his vertebrae all right we just we don't <laughs> Oh. Yeah, that's reminiscent of um, it's reminiscent of that. There was someone who used to play for the Bears. I think it was Johnny Knox. Was his name Johnny Knox? He was a wide receiver in the early twenty tens. He took it like that. And I think he had, he had to retire. Um, like he got folded over and half backwards. And it's, there's pictures of it online, which are horrific. Like it's astounding that he's mostly okay, but. Yeah, when you see something like that, it's, it's scary. And the other part of the duality of the sport is um, the Bills and the Titans. Two teams are in different planes right now. Yeah. Um, would you let me up on Mount Pius for a second go and spawn a guy for sustaining a serious injury? Yeah, go on. Um, in the five years, uh, five seasons before Taylor One signed an immediate deal with Barstool Sports, he missed like six games combined. And since then, I think he's missed... 20 and he got carted off after one snap last night. So, kids, don't get in bed with Barstool Sports. Just don't it's, all the, it's all the Bud Light at the Barstool offices. It's just, um, he's just tripping over the pile of sexual assault allegations against Dave Portnoy. <laughs> yeah. 
and all the absolute shit that Big Cat's been spewing the last like five years as well. I hate it. That's the worst part is that when an athlete who plays professional sport in Wisconsin is tweeting like that, it's so cringy. <laughs> Honestly, like I'm, I'm glad that Pat McAfee has gone and gotten away from Barstool because, man, I didn't want to have to like stop listening to Pat McAfee because of the company that he's associated to. Just fuck you, Barstool Sports. It's not often you can transition into being an Aaron Rodgers enabler and make a positive step forward in morality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, who needs Barstool when you can hit a man with a stool at No Mercy 2023? That's not even a bar. I, <laughs> I do wish that um, we'd see more Pat McAfee in the ring. Anyway. Oh, he's electric. He is. Anyway, let's uh, let's turn our attention to another electric <laughs> offense that beat the crap out of somebody with a steel chair because the Philadelphia Eagles have made Ed eat humble pie as Jalen Hurts carved open the Vikings, who uh, after last week had Ed uh, blowing his Ed Pedtations out the water only for them to be brought all the way back down to earth. And as me and you were saying, Max... The Vikings have the same start to the season every two out of three years because they'll they'll play really, really well and either win convincingly or lose in a very close manner in week one. And then week two or three will roll around and they'll get the absolute living shit kicked out of them by being utterly, utterly tragic at all forms of, of American football. And uh, all hope will be lost in Minnesota again for the year. So uh, it's that's... funny as well because you can pin the blame entirely on Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can you can pin the blame ninety percent on primetime Kirk, but as Ed pointed out, the defense basically came to roll over and die at the hands of Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins, and Dallas Goddard. Well, what was Jalen Hurts passing line in this game? So he had 26 of 31 with 3.33, a touchdown, and a pick that wasn't his fault, came off of a receiver's hands. Yeah. I'm that... not counting it. But no. he also had two really nice rushing touchdowns as well. Just absolutely gashed open the Vikings yeah. all day. What do you, at what percentage of those completions do you think came on slants or quick hitters on pass, pass option? Well, again, this is where a friend of the show, Brent Null... Uh, Jack Brentall came out with... Uh, Big show for JB. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Jack. Um, came out with Jalen Hurts' passing chart. And uh, I'm, I'm actually going to... I'm actually going to sort of slightly bang Jack here a little bit where he, he seems to think that Jalen Hurts not throwing over the middle of the field is a bad thing. But when you're getting 26 or 31 from passing outside the numbers, I'm not being funny, but why bother passing over the middle of the field? Just keep pan- keep putting it out wide. Yeah, it works. Pick it out wide. Down yeah. The Put it into the corridor of uncertainty, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, the the Eagles had what they wanted in the passing game all night, and, and the Vikings, um, I can't remember who I saw this off on Twitter, apologies, but the Vikings sort of came looking like they were still prepared to play the Packers, and they were afraid of getting hit deep. Um, and they were just sitting off and sitting off and sitting off. And 
they just had whatever they wanted underneath. And when you've got like guys who are absolute weapons and like you know AJ Brown is the biggest weapon in yards after the catch for my for my money in the league right now. Yeah. Um, you, just play him. Just play it. Just play it better. I think surely, uh, surely it makes sense like them holding off for a bit and just because like Jalen Hurts is so dangerous like when he starts running it's not like you can just play man and then just have him a hole and bomb through yeah you need no, to I mean, effectively scheme poison. you need to efficiently scheme the yeah. uh, this sort of like hybrid run offense which is which is what sort of teams have tried to do with the with the Ravens and when Lamar well, Jackson's I... on his day, like it's impossible to play against him. And Jalen Hurts is largely the same. Like even if you do scheme up a, a a good scheme, which the Vikings didn't have here, they did not know how to deal with that. Um, and that might be because they keep playing against teams with uh, really immobile or inaccurate players. There's no there's no guys that will carve them up in the air and yeah. then run for seventy yards on the ground as well. Um, You're right, but it's just frustrating to watch a team get beat in the same manner the whole game and to not like at least if you change something, yeah, and you get in another way, it's like okay, well, we were losing anyway. Well, at least did, do they did shore up a bit the second half. Like but, they the, were... but by that point, it was already it was twenty four to it was no, twenty four yeah, to like, seven at halftime. Like neither team scored a point, but you, they just didn't. They adjusted, but the only problem is, is they never adjusted on the offensive side of the ball think, either. Well, they were yeah, just bad. Like the, the what, defense, by, like... by benching Cousins? <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if the offense could have performed, I think the defense would have done more than enough just by, like, limiting Hurts as running where they can and trying to, like, stop him throwing outside the numbers. Darius Slay like, had a ridiculous game. Yeah, he did. Did anyone see that he... Uh... He was he he pulled a Kepper Arizabalaga moment where he waved well, off he being subbed off, and then made <laughs> made an interception. Like yeah, fair well, play. Yeah. He he dropped a couple as well. Kirk yeah, Cousins yeah. could have been picked up like yeah, six. Yeah, he could have. It, it wasn't more. as close as twenty four seven. Like the the Eagles out getting the Vikings by like more than two hundred yards. Yeah, the only reason as to why the Bills beat the breaks off the Titans in score wise more is because. The, the Titans started throwing pick sixes and the Bills just never let up, whereas the Eagles knew that they'd got the game won. They were yeah. just trying to manage the Vikings. Yeah, they pulled off the gas a bit. Yeah. I'm going to have to bounce, unfortunately. Well, well that's so... all right, because we are, how convenient. <laughs> we are finished with this week's slate of games. Um, oh, wait. We are. We are, indeed. <laughs> so if you can hang around for like a couple extra minutes, you can help us do the outro where, you know, we'll... We'll keep passing over discussions. Uh, no Thursday game this week, so nothing to preview for us. Um, but there are plenty of games coming up over the course of the weekend where we will be at an Emma's wedding. Congratulations to those two. You'll not see them. You'll not see them for a, a couple weeks, a three week. Yeah, I can't remember how long they said. Yeah. So it'll just be the three of us carrying you through the early part of this season. But. Uh, yeah, you can find out when we go with another episode or tweet at us any disapproving remarks at stifflippod. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. It's been an absolute blast. We'll see you later on. Bye for now. Oh,
imagine the cumulative pain that's going to build up after three to four weeks of, of Vikings games that you've not got to discuss. Uh, honestly, I, I feel bad.